0: reviews came out and i read some of them and no
1: yeah they're good people like it no it doesn't it.
0: even sound it doesn't sound interesting bad to be honest but it, i can't. i like the the opportunity just to just talk about Zack snyder in general we're yeah, gonna talk
2: I... about this more later hang on put all right put this back in your
0: pocket put re uh, resheathe
2: your sword because we have something we'll to talk about first i'm resheathing Good morning, meat suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season Four. We're just three guys with perfect opinions about pop culture. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording in North Korea Town, Los Angeles. And I forgot to write funny intros, so you're gonna get the normal ones. He's uh, first up. He's in Southeast Portland. He's at Anthony Lopez Part Two on Twitter. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez.
1: Hey, I'm glad I've uh, I've been here for 35 minutes. I thought we had in this a while ago,
2: <laughs>
1: but I guess. Uh, It's a Watchman
2: joke. Yeah, it's a Watchman joke. Also, we had (laughs) been here talking for 25 minutes, so I wasn't sure. Um, I guess if I was going to do a funny one for you, I would have said he can't get a boner unless he's dressed like an owl. Um, (laughs) Also joining us... I told you that
1: in confidence, Alex. (laughs) I I can't believe you would just put that on the air. Uh,
2: All right. Also joining us uh, 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 from the woods of Arkansas, he's at Hun Bun on Letterboxd. And he just swam back to his pirate ship.
0: It's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Ah, oh, that's who, yeah, that's who I want to be in the story. Yeah. I want to be that guy, the pirate, in guy. The, the pirate ship guy. Everything turns out good for him. Oh, hello, everybody. Watchman joke. Do you, <sighs> I, oh, you you sound really chill today. You sound very relaxed. I like oh, it. I'm chill. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm
2: good. Um, this show is brought to you as always by our fabulous meat buddies who give up their hard-earned money for no apparent reason. If you want to join them and help this keep this show shambling down the tracks, go to metreon.com and we really appreciate everybody who supports our show.
1: Yeah, I mean, we would do this if you weren't giving us any money and you would still we get the same show. We might pay
2: you to listen yeah, to Yeah, so
1: I mean, I really appreciate <laughs> it.
2: Yeah, we yeah. cannot
0: say enough how strange
1: it is oh, I that bet you it, that's us. how
0: it'll work in the future. Patreon will be like, "Okay, now it's the other way around."
2: I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, well, like when when <laughs> Twitter announced, you could like people could pay you for some for more like super tweets or whatever it was like Mm -hmm. i have so much trouble getting people to read my free shit you think i'm gonna (laughs) be able to charge for this
1: have you guys gone down the um nft like non-fudgeable tokens I'm uh, glad you brought up world. NFT.
2: I feel like that would be, if we had uh, more space in the show, we would talk about that as a news item today. Yeah,
1: like people, like, you know, sell, I'm going to sell you a tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, something you can't mm-hmm. actually own. That's not real, but you buy it. Well, you, can,
2: you can own a very long piece of code that says it is the only version of that tweet that's but you could also sell 10 of them. It's, yeah, it, what a funny bubble to come out. I up. mean,
1: it's a digital version of like, I used to have this implor- uh, co worker who, like, you know, those things when it's like, you can buy a foot, square foot of land in Scotland and call yourself right, a king. Right. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. like, buy a piece <laughs> of the moon. Yeah, name a I, star. Yeah, yeah, you buy a I star. I had a co worker who just loved that shit. He would be like, I am the king of this Scotland land. <laughs> I am this stone. And I was like, dude, you just what you're just blowing money i could print you off a thing that says you're a king of a Scot. Scot. i
2: knew a guy in there's a kid in third grade who sold his soul to somebody for five dollars and then sold Uh-oh. it again to someone else for five dollars and then sold it a third time for five dollars and then he got in trouble but before that he had $15, so...
1: <laughs> Who did he get in trouble with, the devil? Like, the devil yeah. <laughs> came up and was like, hey... He's like, you yeah, this is a non-fungible soul. Yeah, what are, you, what are you, like, Voldemorting, splitting in seven pieces? So making yourself a horcrux?
2: This is the second part of our Watchmen episode, and before we get into the second half of the Watchmen book, um, I want to do a very brief news update, because we had a couple of big things that happened this week in the world of pop culture. First up, the Grammys, which you guys both said you did not care about. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I yeah, uh, I personally think uh, I mean I, a lot of my uh, people I follow religiously posted a lot of things this week about you know how it's the end of civilization and how it was completely mm-hmm. disgusting and vulgar. So yeah. no, I did not watch. I
2: will it. say my my parents did not appreciate the uh, the version of wet ass pussy where they were basically naked and humping on a gigantic that, bed.
1: That was a joke. Oh, I that don't actually that happened. I understand. Yeah.
2: Yes,
0: um, I, but like my, Dude, my I, oh man, I want to watch Ben Shapiro react to that. Right? Yeah, I, th-
2: this was a, it was what the best version of our weekly uh, family chat was, where I had to explain what WAP stands for and <laughs> how this song is mostly famous because of Ben Shapiro. It's I mean, great. did
1: you did you look at your parents and be like, you know, like spaghetti and the macaroni in the pot? You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, Dad? Right, <laughs> Dad? You know that sound? You I've right. seen I've seen how happy mom is. No, uh, I do not.
2: that's gross. You're too far. No, what I did, I, I was like, I was like, well, there's three words. You can't say two of them on TV. Uh, I'll give you wet. That's the freebie. You get yeah. wet. And then oh,
0: yeah, that'd be such a good radio version of it where it's just the word wet. Well, so this is what they did for the version on on the
2: Grammys was they censored almost all the words. It was basically just them humping and a beat and then you'd hear the word wet and then a couple of their random adjectives.
1: <laughs> well, it's so weird cuz like the first time I ever heard the song, like the first video they released was like the radio edit that had wet and gushy as the lyrics oh, instead of wet that and
0: gushy oh interesting yeah, so i i,
1: like I said, didn't watch it but i assumed they were just gonna perform like that version but no they, no oh, wait, the, wait, wait. The, i'm sorry
0: so what's the lyric is it wet and gushy or that's
1: like the radio that's edit. the radio
0: edit
2: the real yes. version is it's wet, wet and then i'll, I'll do what I, i'll tell you what i told my my parents which is the second one is the butt and the third one is the front butt so you figured out from there. I kind of uh, like
0: wet and gushy.
2: I think that's like yeah, it has gushy a different makes texture me giggle in a way that's not. Yeah. Right.
0: That's like now
2: it's too silly. <laughs> um, that sounds gushy. like yeah, hmm. gushy is. Yeah, it's too much like candy. Anyway, um, I I will say my favorite thing though is because it was in LA and it was live and it was outside. So the way they did it was they were just like on a patio downtown, basically, and it was lovely. But because it's L.A., like the first speech of the night was Megan, the, Megan the Stallion won Best New Artist, and she goes up on stage to give her speech, and like two words in, you just hear one of those really loud cars that sounds like it's farting, but like it's supposed to be cool, like mm. like which is <laughs> constantly in my neighborhood. It was the most. It was the most. To me, anyway, my version of L.A. is whatever you're doing two seconds in, a car is going to go by making a giant fart sound. And so Megan was like, oh, oh, car. Oh, okay. And then back to work. Uh, It was very L.A. But (laughs) then some of the performances were live. Some of them were pre-taped. And that irritates me. This is the part I wanted to see how you guys feel about it. But my feeling is as soon as they cut to a pre-taped thing, it's like I could have just watched this on YouTube. Why am I watching it now live?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, this is like kind of goes with um. The Golden Globes conversation. like yeah, yeah. I do think the sort of like the COVID award show um, like balance is so interesting and in different approaches. And like, I definitely think yeah. that that is that could be a little annoying, but also like if it's it's only justified to be pre-recorded if it's like something you couldn't do live. Like, were they, like, cooler performances, or were they very, Mostly like... Mostly not. There whoa.
2: was, like... So, like, Silk Spectre, which, if you don't know... Or not Silk Spectre. Sorry. That's this one. Um, Silk Sonic. Uh, Silk Sonic is um bruno mars and anderson Paak's new band that's like 70s themed and it's fine although anderson Pock is great and bruno mars is really boring and so it's like you just made anderson more boring but anyway they have this new 70s thing and so their pre-taped vi- thing had this like very 70s spark spangly filter effect that maybe you wouldn't de- I- so no not really it was not something you could the giant bed i believe was live but um I like. I just wanted. I don't know what it is. It's like even if it's a really cool thing, I don't want you to do a cool thing that could be in a music video. I want to know that Megan the Stallion is an inconvenienced at eight oh six, just like me. That's like the only thing that makes me want to watch it live is knowing it's inconveniencing them. I don't want to watch a, like all the world gathers around at the same time and watches a pre recorded
1: thing. Who cares? Well, I would argue that. Okay, I don't I haven't watched the Grammys in a long time, but is. Even the live performances are they actually live performances? they are a lot
2: of lip syncing, but yeah, at least like they're, they're lip syncing live.
1: Yeah, but it's like they're not actually playing the music live, so it's really kind of no, not a huge. No, but difference. And, as
2: long no, but you're still in the room. You're still holding a guitar live. I just want you to be at this place at this time doing this, like pretend at least sure. pretend to do the thing. Like give, give me. Otherwise, I don't care about it being live.
1: I, I don't. I just. I, um, you know, I've been like a little disconnected from kind of a lot of popular culture stuff because of COVID, and because yeah. I'm just kind of like not, you know, very insulated, kind of in my little world. But I did see a lot of ads for the Grammys, which I, I haven't watched the Grammys in God probably close to twenty years. I've just never been really, a big fan. Um,
2: I, I, I would just put out a quick, quick ad that I think you would enjoy them. I, I or I think you could enjoy them. The Grammys are great because they Grammys give out two hundred and fifty awards but only five during the show. Yeah, I mean, they, that's that's during, like, during the day, they're like, best vocal performance on a metal album with spoken word tracks. Like, they do... Ev- everything gets a Grammy. They have so many awards. It's in, it's hilarious. But they just give them out, like, by email in the middle of the day. Yeah. And then you watch the show, and it's basically just a bunch of concerts from pop stars, and Well, it's I fun. mean,
1: my, my thing with the Grammys this year is, like, I, I finally crossed a Rubicon... Uh, in my life, that was like very profound. Where I saw an Ooh. ad for the Grammys, and it was like this Otis, this Otis, this Otis, and for the first time in my life, I felt old. <laughs> I felt like I, I was like I don't know who's like half of these people. Oh, I've never heard of them before, uh, and I was just like, oh, oh. The world has passed me by. I am yeah. an old man now who doesn't I mean, understand popular music my, anymore.
2: That's how my parents felt watching WAP and the bed humping.
1: I <laughs>
2: I I like pop music, so I guess I'm more into the Grammys for that reason. I just enjoy and I enjoy kind of keeping up with it. But the performances are good and I like I like yeah. the tech of performances. Yeah. I mean my um, thing
1: with my favorite Grammy moment was I didn't even watch it, but just the Twitter reaction when Arcade Fire Suburb won Best Album. And because like I'm a, I was a really big Arcade Fire fan back yeah. then, and like when they won that award, just the way how many so many people on Twitter were like, "Who the fuck is Arcade Fire? And why are they winning Best <laughs> yeah. Album?" Like I thought that was hilarious, but I don't yeah. know if that happens still. If it's they still, a while
0: ago. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, a, there's, always, there's always at least there's always somebody there that I either want to see or or they get an award. But that's all that's it. It's it's literally as if they make the program and they're like, okay, so one literally just one for Hunter so he can be like, oh, cool, I guess. And then that's kind of it. It's so focused on everything else. And I I guess my personal tastes are considered niche by the by the Grammys, I guess. Well, so you Uh, you
2: probably your your personal taste probably gets 30 Grammys. Just they get them at two o'clock in the afternoon.
1: Yeah, Yeah, right. Sure, sure. Grammys are maybe a little too, like, with it nowadays. Like, I miss the old days of when there was, like, best metal album, Jethro Toll, And you're like, what? They're not even metal. They're not even metal. What are you guys? Best well, rap, rap so- album, Vanilla Ice. Like, oh, right. you guys are so silly. Speaking,
2: uh, like speaking that- of bad categories, um, the other thing that came out this week was the Oscar nominations. Yes. Including um, two nominations for uh, best supporting actor by people whose name whose characters were the title of the movie. So, weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, some weird category fraud going on. The only thing I have off the top from reading the Grammy list wh- or the Oscars list was I'm going to watch just to root for my octopus teacher to not win best documentary. I'm going to watch. Even know what that is. Well, it got it was a Netflix documentary. It was the one of the worst things I watched last year. And mm-hmm. it's about this guy who just won't leave this nice octopus alone. And he spends the whole thing talking in the second person about how, like, you know how you always swim to an octopus and then you you want to talk to the octopus, and then the octopus is not interested in you, but then you like earn its trust by swimming for three hours every day. It's like, Anyway, it's the most annoying. I hated it so much. I learned nothing about Octopus from it. I just learned that this guy was annoying. And um, <laughs> anyway, I, so I'm going to watch just to hate that that got nominated and hope that it does not win. Yeah, what I, were your uh, Oscar nomination takes?
1: Uh, I thought they were pretty good this year. I Again, because of COVID and like I, I really miss. Like, I've, I've watched a lot of junk TV. My wife and I have gone through most of Star Trek over COVID. We're right. blowing through Deep Space Nine at this point. And I, I just feel weird watching, like, new movies in my house. Like, I just miss right. the theatrical experience so much. Uh, so I haven't really seen a whole lot uh, of it, but I've heard really good things. I really like the just aesthetically the nominations this year. It feels like, you know, for the last... You know, Five years has been such a talk about Oscars so white and not nominating women directors and all this stuff. And to see such a diverse, you know, things and the people getting awards is really cool. Yeah. Um, a lot of movies I'm really excited about to watch. I do, my wife and I do plan to catch up on all of them. We're really bummed Judas the and the pictures. Black Messiah. Yeah. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is off HBO Max already. It was only uh, up there yeah. for a few weeks. We missed it. Uh, but it'll be coming back eventually. But, you know, we're going
2: to okay, so try of, to catch everything. Okay, so real quick, here's the list. The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trials of Chicago 7. Of those eight, films the only thing you guys have talked about on this show at least or with me is that anthony you loved mank and that neither of you were interested in watching trial of the chicago seven is that right
1: yes but i want to see the rest of those movies all very bad i've seen a
0: promising young woman i'm surprised that it i really liked it but i'm surprised that it got nominated but i guess it is kind of a it's it's a it's a different year as far as the list goes so i'm pretty i'm pretty thrilled carrie mulligan is really good in it and i think it would be super interesting if she uh, got the Best Actress award because the role that she plays is just like kind of a... It's weird. It's it's a weird year that that a movie like Promising Young Woman is getting the nominations that it is, but I'm so... Uh, cool. I'm so happy that that's the kind of year that we're okay, in. Okay,
2: well, I'm excited about that one then, because I've... So far, I'm not, like, thrilled about this list. It's, a weird, it's a weird... I'll watch them movie. Too,
0: like, yeah. Promising Young Woman does not read like a, oh, this is an Oscar movie, like, at all. It's like, it's like a fun, cool genre... Lick. That's mm-hmm. that's oh, how I would but, describe it. I mean, it.
1: that's the that was the you know on paper the idea of going from five best pictures to up to ten was to like, right. get mm-hmm. these weird movies. Get that's some why I, like movies in there. This stuff like you know I think like Get Out, which I you know I I, I love Get Out. Uh, I haven't seen Promising Young Woman yet, but they're both very much like movies that um, are just like s- relic like such cultural moments like uh, like like pressed down into a film that they just strike a chord and i think like that is pretty cool to see um so yeah i'm excited for a of chord.
2: i've never heard of sound of metal about a Def oh yeah drummer, i but... mean that
1: is like riz ahmed it's a yeah. amazon film it's supposed to be uh... very very good i again i want to see all these movies i yeah, just yeah, I'm gonna watch them. with everything going on like especially like these oscar movies are usually really heavy and intense and i just like I just want to watch really fun, silly stuff. Totally, right now.
2: yeah. Um, I that's my feeling with a couple of these, which like is that I just have not been in the mood for intense films. And yeah. um, Best Picture always has some intense stuff on it. Uh, I've been mostly into lighter things right now, but we we will do something about it as we get closer in April. We'll do some oh, yeah. some more talk about these. Um, are the okay.
1: O- are the Oscars always in April. Like, aren't they actually usually around March? But they, I believe they are. Yet? Yeah, they're back a little bit. Yeah.
2: Also, you know what? I would be fine if we just um, gave all of the celebrities vaccines so that they could kiss and just let them get in a big room and be gross. Yeah. Together. You just know, let them kiss. Just let them get in there and kiss. All right. We need so to see them um, kiss. let's get back to work now. So this, as we mentioned, is the second episode of our Watchmen miniseries. This is an Anthony Lopez special. This we're reading the 1984 comic series from Detective Comics written by Alan Moore with art by Dave Gibbons and then apparently other people doing the text and the color, which I didn't have time to get into. Um, we, we read books 7 through 12 this week. The thrilling mm-hmm. conclusion mm-hmm. of the apocalypse. Um, let me give you a micro summary and then we're going to talk a little bit more about what we read and then we're going to talk about some adaptations of this work. So here's what happens in the second half of the Watchmen series. Silk Lady and Owl Boy try to bone, but he can't get his tiny bird Woody up unless he's dressed up in his owl costume, which we haven't haven't we all been there. Um, so they decide to pretend to be superheroes again, and they do it, and then they do it. Nice. <laughs> Newly emboldened by this uh, sex and uh, superhero activity, they decide to break Rorschach out of jail because anyway and then um <laughs> it works and now they're a threesome of justice except uh john the god of blue balls shows up and takes silk lady to mars where he talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and then they agree humanity is fine um meanwhile world war three now in where uh, i think we should call it world war 3d gets closer and um so the great horny owl and uh which Ah, I should have delivered that better because that was my favorite joke in this. The great horny owl and Mm -hmm. uh, the Rorschach, the bad guy with my mom's face, figure out the world's smartest tool. Ozymandias was behind all of it. He's trying to kill superheroes, but not just them. He's trying to kill most of us. And so they go to Antarctica to face down against him and his cat. Um But Ozzy Osbourne is too good, and he has already finished his evil plan, uh, which involves like all of the complicated magics at one time. There's aliens, there's tachyons, teleportation, psychic powers, midichlorian, string theory, time travel, and Quidditch. It's all there, and it (laughs) works together to kill four million people in New York instantly, but still bloody, which is uh, just like he always hopes, uh, brings instant world peace, and that's fine, and the book's over. So It works. It works. Anyway, well, it so doesn't
0: the, necessarily bring, it seems to bring instant world peace. Mm-hmm. Well, but the book it's, is it's over, so unclear. we don't actually
2: get to find anything else about it, but exactly. we, it does seem to be world peace. It does, the the main thing, and then, oh, and then, um, what was the, it's a very strange thing at the end that you guys might have to explain to me later, which is that Robert Redford is going to be president next. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's a strange note for the last page of a 12 book series to be like, also Robert Redford's president now. Anyway,
0: mm-hmm. that's it. Well, I mean, it's I think they're kind of playing off the like Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, right? but like, it's like yeah. a liberal oh. version of Ronald Reagan, right? It's yeah, like in his new world. Uh-huh. There's literally a line
0: where somebody's like, We would never have a cowboy actor be president. Like So we yeah. still need an actor
2: who's got rr for his initials, but we want a liberal. So thus it has to be Robert Redford.
0: Well, also Robert Redford was like pretty politically active. Yeah, so it wasn't like, it wasn't that weird of a in thing In the
1: eighties, there was like Ronald like Redford is going to get into politics. That was like the way that people are like that with George Clooney nowadays, right. you know, like that was the same thing. So it's you know, like isn't, a, wait.
2: Isn't the guy with from True Detective going to try to run for governor in
1: Texas? Matthew McConaughey? There's McConaughey. something about that. I don't know Look, if that's going to happen. I
2: feel like you should be barred from, pre- from running for politics if you're an actor. It's one of those jobs that should be disqualifying. I don't think you should be able to do it.
1: <laughs> I think um, we should talk about Watchmen. So, Alex, <laughs> I have a question. Uh, last week, you said you were on the edge. You were tilting yeah, on, one on way or another about whether you liked the book or not and you needed to see how it ends. So, before we get into anything else, I need to know now that you finished it. Yeah, what do you, you think fall? of Watchman?
2: I think it was the second half was still a bit of a slog and I don't know how to make that fun as radio content. Mm, so, interesting. So, I, I mean yeah. So just, just think, my main takeaway from Watchmen is that it is boring. That's what I think. <laughs> I don't care. I didn't care.
0: I, it, I did a better job of I think reading as you, and I I knew. I, especially when I hit the Doctor Manhattan chapter, I was like, well, this if he didn't like the first Doctor Manhattan chapter. <laughs> He is. There's no way he's gonna like this. Well, there's so absolutely I, no I. What way. I
2: liked was I liked the Rorschach doing bad detective work, and there wasn't magic. And then the sec. Then there's a little bit of magic, and then the second half was like there is so much more magic. I
1: mean, it's not magic. It's it's science and a, like it's a trick, right? It's not actual magic, right? There's no. He there's like can
2: fly to Mars and live there and make things with his mind out well, of dust. That's, it's that's fucking magic.
1: That's, well yeah he's a god that's yeah, the point. yeah he's, a, he's god, a god yeah but okay, Doctor sure, Manhattan you, so you, isn't, But he's
2: a science god not a magic god
1: but oh, like granted i'm talking about like <laughs> veitz and Osmandius's plan there's no magic involved it's just science fiction stuff right well there is a and, psychic no well, I I right, i'm not sure that i, I, sure that I care
2: bit. about that di- that difference <laughs> that you're making yeah it's science fiction it's magic with sciency jargon but,
1: yeah i mean i definitely think that like we should have known that Of course, I mean, one of the most critically appall respected books and things ever written, Alex, would be the one guy who doesn't like it. No, look, Uh, I,
0: no, 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 I'm not the only one. I mean, Alex
1: did not request
0: that we talk about this book. So A lot of people,
2: yeah, good point. A lot of people don't like comic book stuff, and I, what I liked was the stuff that's not superheroes, and then the second half of the book is much more superhero-y than the first half,
0: Yeah, and I
2: just don't and it's not that i hate it i'm not like i'm not like driven crazy by it it's just like as soon as it's it's the kind of thing where as soon as that it's like if someone starts telling me about deep sports stats numbers i just glaze over if you're like oh yeah well there's people who are psychically uh connected i i i cloned that into nope bored don't care i mean
1: my my thing with it is kind of if like, none of that stuff bothers me, and so much of it, like, especially just, like, reading this again, like I've talked about, sort of, like, um, the way I love the art and the way the pages laid out, and there are certain things in it that, like, you might find boring, but, like, I, I like, every time I read the Laurie and John on Mer's chapter, which I have do reading this, I probably read that chapter three or four times over the last week, just because uh-huh. I really love it, and I find oh, it, like, incredibly moving. Like oh, the man. thing he comes to at the end about like the way, like any pro like somebody you love, anybody you love, imagine like the person you mean, who means the most to you, your significant other, your family, and like just the idea of them and them existing and all the things that it took for that person to be here, um is like a, you know, a, the equivalent of a thermodynamic miracle, you know, it is as rare as, as gold, uh, oxygen toning to gold, I think is like such a lovely sentiment and such like a great touching thing that it's like, that's the stuff to me that I just like, I read it and it like sends a shiver down my spine. It, like every time I read it, it makes me rethink I, you, about the people I love.
2: I love that how, and I'm so happy that that feels that way for you. I am not, I have nothing cynical to say about that. I think that's and, great.
1: And it's just like, I, it's like, that's the type of stuff and then you get into kind of like the more cynical stuff about like what what superheroes would mean and Osmandius's plan and who is like good and actually bad at the end of the book and it's just I don't know like reading this again this time I just I always get so much new out of it I really tried to focus on like um uh, sort of what the uh. Like the interstitial parts that I thought was really funny. I did think it was really funny that last week,
0: oh, some man. of the
1: stuff you brought up uh, about how like who would ever want like a Rorschach yeah. toy. <laughs> and then like in the book, in the second half, there's like a large thing about them trying to make Rorschach toys. Yeah, but yeah, it's like yeah. that's within the universe itself. Which Wait, is even, so even in a book
2: where they make fun of the idea of having Rorschach toys, then some, then people at detective comics thought they would act they should actually make Rorschach right. toys. Yeah, like, yeah. how could you miss the point of your own book that hard? Well, that's
0: the whole that's the whole tragedy of this book is that the entire comics industry missed the point of the book cuz I mean, I think it makes a good case for like, ah, we should be probably stop doing these superhero comics. Uh, they're kind of dumb and maybe have a nasty, yeah, uh, rotten core. Yeah. And then they just were like, yeah, we're going to keep doing it. I I, mean, I,
2: um, I will say, so just to go back and to keep positive for a second, um, the art and the structure of the book, I do think is great. And I definitely see that. And I liked there There are some things that are so incredibly cinematic in the first half. And that was what one of the things that kept me going. Um, is so I do feel like even though I don't care about the story or the characters that much because there's too much magic, I really love the way it is laid out and designed and the art. I think, like, mm-hmm. you're completely right about that. And I, you know, m- m- and what I don't know since I have not read many comics, I don't know how much of this is like standard operating procedure in comics, how much was being invented by, uh, dave gibbons at this moment but yeah there's just some brilliant layouts and uh and and wait ways to make a static page really feel immersive that i have mm-hmm. not seen before and i liked a whole bunch
0: yes. honestly I, th- I think the reason it hits you so hard is because of the actual actually high not to contradict what you're saying but i think the reason it like hit you is because of the very high level of restraint that they're showing to be honest because oh, more.
2: What, how do you mean
0: well, they don't do like a full-on splash page until we get to that the Squid. the end the beginning of the final chapter, and that's that's actually not I oh
2: mean, are those super that's the opposite common
0: opposite of flashy, yes. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's essentially someone saying like, okay, so one of the easiest tools I can use uh, as a as a comic book uh, artist is to have the whole page be one image, and that's it's good for emphasis, it's good for drama, it's like the most classic comic book thing ever. Um, oh. And they never, it's, it's notable, notable that they only, they save it for the very end and they only do it to emphasize a horrible tragedy. They do not do it yeah. uh, in the most obvious way, which is to make superheroes look like a uh, Greek gods. I mean, that's like the whole, you know, like the Avengers yeah. shot, like spinning Avengers shot from the movie is meant to emulate you know, a a splash page from a comic book and it's supposed to make them look cool. And, and in Watchmen superheroes are not cool. They're actually really lame and they suck.
2: I mean, they're yeah. even without the full page, just going like the, the way that it switches from small boxes to medium boxes, to large boxes, to like Mm -hmm. really small boxes in a row. The end of the chapter before the squid, um, uh, I believe where you actually see the tragedy happen Mm
1: -hmm. is like
2: a bunch of really narrow boxes and the color Mm -hmm. is changing from blue to white as they get destroyed and then there's just a white box Um, that ending I thought was much more powerful than actually the whole giant squid Um, Mm -hmm. because the squid is just so silly looking and you're like looking at this giant squid's butthole for like half a page and it's bleeding blue and it's like it doesn't make any sense why it's happening to me but um, I yeah I I think the layout and the design like yeah I think all of the credit to the design of the book was cool and it doesn't make me want to read a ton of comics because I'm afraid I wouldn't keep getting that magic out of it. But it was well, I really think, cool. I,
0: I think because you have such a like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to it, it's the way you're framing your problem with comics does sound like that it really just comes down to magic so if if you got a comic that didn't have any magic in it you would maybe like it is that right am i am i am i off base saying that? i mean i
2: like, you know i liked um we took i think we talked last week about what i have actually read and liked in the comic book world right i think i mentioned this but um i think like, we talked
1: about it off mic before oh though. we might have so. talked about it off
2: mic but so anthony and i um had matt fraction on our talk show in portland mm-hmm. um several years ago and so i read a bunch of his books and like i read um I read his Hawkeye, which is Mm -hmm. basically the Avengers with no magic and it was just like a guy who has these cool friends but then is mostly just like trying to put in cable and raise a dog. His take on Hawkeye
1: is like so famous because of that stuff. It's
2: brilliant. It's so good and I, yeah, part of it is there's no magic Um, and then like the other thing might like probably the most affected I've ever been by a graphic novel is Fun Home, which is obviously no magic because it's not trying to be a comic right. book world well,
0: yeah, it's yeah a superhero comic It's not
2: a superhero comic um I have also
0: i love we, fun home by the way,
2: oh my god that Great comic uh, that comic and that and the show the the Broadway show um is like just the most moving thing I've ever seen and i if if I was in the mood to just like make myself cry, I could just sit down and think about that show and I could do it because <laughs> it's so and i I saw it twice and the the second time I saw it was with my family, um first time was with my wife and the second time was with my my parents and my sisters and I was like you know what i've already seen it i know where it's going so i'm not going to cry this time and then as soon as the music starts i remembered where it was going and so i just cried for three hours for the entire show and i finished it i'm just covered in tears and i look over at my parents and they have felt nothing they were like pretty good (laughs) i my sisters too i was like everyone must be crying right i don't i mean the the two most affecting things for me this is like i'm sorry this is a a digression but it's a little deep and i've started so i have to finish um is that the two things that make me cry the most in media are somebody finding out that, or somebody thinking that they are alone, and someone finding out they're not alone. And that show is about both of those things at the same time, and it's so sad and so moving. Anyway, I just you know. love
1: the idea of you like getting a really good acting gig, and you have to cry with a bunch of actors. Yeah. And <laughs> you're all discussing, head. yeah, you're all discussing like, well, I think about the time when my father left, and I. That's how I find the emotion, and you're like. Think about fun home. Huh? That's not.
2: It. It's just, it's just all- uh, well, the other thing. So I also read Matt Fraction's Sex Criminals, which I, mm. which is some which magic. It is yeah. a little magic, but it's not a superhero magic, and I Wait, love that what? series.
0: Are, I mean, how are they not? I mean, it's, I mean, it's sex magic, but it's, but it's, it's, it's like, here's one thing. We stop time. It's
2: not a bunch of powers and also they're not f- powers fighting powers. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to okay. explain it to you too. I don't know why I like some things more than I, others. Yeah. I have liked some comic book movies. I just, just glaze over easily when people are too magic, but sex criminals was like the right kind of fun for me. And I also like, cause we also had Kelly Sue DeConnick on the show. And so I read pretty deadly. Which is my only yeah. cowboy comic I've ever read. And I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. So I have liked some things, but I do think the more superhero, like, I, I it's, and it's also, I like magic. I love magic. I do not like superhero magic for some reason.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there is like a, there's an argument to be made that I think like all the comics that you like, I like, like, that they would not exist without Watchmen, right? On like a right. level, just sure. in terms of like pure influence that this book is like it's staggering the amount of info well, I mean we could even
0: take let's that's a great point but we could even take that out and none of those yeah. books would exist just on an economic level this is this is the book that kind of sold the idea of the graphic novel something an adult would read not to say not to say that Watchmen is the only thing that had existed up until that point yet had like uh what's his name? Uh, will eisner and lots of people before but this is the thing that sold really well and was also for adults and of course that had to be a superhero thing because it had to get the audience that already existed this is the
2: bridge from superhero to non-superhero
0: exactly it is a it is a bridge and it still functions as that or i mean that's what it did for me too just as a individual
1: and we talked we didn't talk about this last week but sort of like the um I meant to bring it up but like the origin of Watchmen uh Alex I don't know if you know like so the reason why Watchmen exists as a book is that in the early 80s DC Comics got the right to uh this they you no know, in the 80s like all industries everything cannibalized each other till there was just two big companies left right so part of that was DC buying uh, Charleston comics, which was mm. a bunch of comic characters created by, I think, Jack Kirby, who's kind of a you know a very famous comic writer, but is also sort of known for, like, he is a real objectivist, like, Ayn Rand fan, oh, and he puts sure, yeah. that into a lot of his comic book work was yeah, always based around...
0: And, and things I've seen in comic book world. Yeah,
1: so, like, there's this huge influence of comic books... Oh, wait, hold up, I just want to stop
0: this. here real quick, because I thought it was Steve Ditko that was the... Was it the, Steve
1: Ditko?
0: I think it's Steve Ditko who's the, like, objectivist, uh, like, and, and he... That Steve Ditko is the one that made a comic where... There was there, it's a superhero comic where there's like two characters. I think they're called the Hawk and the Dove or something like that. Mm. And one of them is like a conservative, and the other is supposed to be a liberal. And the liberal is just like a wet blanket kind of like loser, and the the conservative is like does the right thing. And it's like it's like a very um, it's a very like lame like, child's way... It's like it's like Fox News for kids, basically.
1: Yeah. But, so, uh, whoever came up with the Charleston characters, they were basically, they were like the Blue Beetle, the Question, uh, Captain Adam. So DC paid all this money to get these characters, and they wanted uh, their best new writer to work on it. So Alan Moore took these characters they just paid a lot of money for, and he essentially wrote the treatment for Watchmen. And they were like, so... These new characters, what are your ideas? He's like, well, he's I'm gonna like, take them.
2: They suck.
1: They suck, yeah. They're violent psychopaths. One of them <laughs> can't get an erection unless he's wearing a suit. One of them's a detached god. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We might want to use these characters <laughs> for something else. So don't do that. Make your own. Yeah,
0: you can't just ruin them. <laughs> so
1: you can, like, they, they're like, they just straight up basically I mean, ask, kind can of. Can I ask
2: you a question? Like, why yeah. can't you just ruin them? Because it feels like every other like, there's been 13 different Spider-Men since I was a teenager. Like, why mm. can't you just ruin them in one book and another book's like, now they're uh, nice.
1: Well, because there was, like, this was, again, this was before the comic boom that sort of allowed those types of things to happen, right? Like, there wasn't a million different lines of each hero at this time. You know, there was...
2: I mean, I feel like the joke's on Detective Comics then because I've never heard of the Blue Beetle and I have heard of all these yeah. characters. So well, they he just... could have made them famous. Well, yeah,
1: in the
0: end, in the end, I think Alan Alan Moore kind of won out and they probably should have just let him do what he would with those yeah. characters. Yeah. I wanted to answer that question, though, with the... Why, why can't you just, you know, like... Yeah. Like, the, the problem with comics is that they're... You need to be able to just pick up and read a comic. So only so much can change and the way Stan Lee defined it was like you know in a run or whatever like let's say we have a writer that's writing Spider-Man and they have a story that they want to tell um it's fine and you can even do really weird stuff. Like there have been there was this run of Spider-Man like 10 years ago where Spider-Man was like stuck inside of Dr. Octopus's body or no Dr. Octopus yeah. was inside of Spider-Man's body which Ooh, is bizarre. Okay. Apparently it's great but it sounds stupid. It does um, sound stupid. But they did that for a year and then everything conveniently just kind of goes back to normal, like the end of a sitcom episode. And they have yeah. to do that every couple of years because they need to just be an, a revolving door of just like, and this, I'm not saying this is right. This is just, this is the model is they need it to work where like you pick up a comic and you have to be able to know enough about Spider-Man to just jump in.
2: Yeah, and there is like... Hey, this is very upsetting to me. Just for any other thing where I like characters, like the idea that you're like, hey, this is a new Animaniacs, and now Wacko shoots people. And then you just do that. That's really intense and
0: not well, fun the, for me.
1: The, the crazy thing about DC Comics in particular, and like especially the handling of Watchmen. So it's like, I don't follow DC Comics regularly, but I do. like I know some people who do, and the last few like 10 years of DC has been fucking wild. So they have, you know, like there's big connected universes in both DC and Marvel's and every decade or so they basically reboot the universe yeah. just to like clear out continuity and so that this way they can start over. I hate it so, so much. um, what happened was DC, I think it was the, like the new 52 was the first reboot, but they like rebooted these, uh, the DC universe. Everyone hated it. They hated their decisions. So they rebooted it again just a few years ago, or like a year or two ago. And the way they justified the reboot, I thought was really annoying. Uh, what's that? What it was is that they blamed Dr. Manhattan uh, for all the things fans didn't like about the first reboot. <laughs> like, literally, like the, the most recent like big DC thing was about the Watchmen universe meeting uh the dc universe which is ridiculous <sighs> and it ends with superman and dr manhattan like in a fist fight uh but oh, it is like no. dr manhattan was the one like the way they're even now taking like it's so funny like the idea that alan moore was told like oh you can't do this with these characters we own and now 30 years later they're taking his characters right and and doing they're, just doing, they're doing fan fiction of yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's I mean this whole world is this is I think maybe additional turnoffs although I don't think it's the main problem that I have. It does seem hard to like this world where all of the characters you like are constantly rebooted mm-hmm. based on the most toxic corners of Twitter mm-hmm. and what they well, want.
1: Well, also I think that like that's the kind of stuff that you, why I think trying to look at the book just on its own merits is so fun. Yeah. Uh, and to, because the book is deep enough and has enough stuff going on that like it's, it's, you're better off just not knowing all of that stuff. And I do think like, well, I, so I, it, as
2: it so happens, I don't know most of it. So, but I do want you to tell me more about the adaptations and more of what comes later. But the one thing I wanted to ask you guys, I want you to talk to me more about, about the book first is just tell me about the ending. Talk to me about, guy kills four four million people and the other superheroes are like you're right can't tell anybody mm-hmm. and then it's just over
1: well i mean i do first off there's the like there's an outer limits episode playing in the background because alan moore has always been very open about he uh he stole the ending plot from an outer limits episode wait is it the, I, oh, I was just reading about it didn't
2: also because like terminator is stolen from an outer limits episode did outer limits well, really give everybody all of their plots Outer Limits Limits and Twilight Zone have been ripped off a million times (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I mean the the Harold not with Harold Ellis something the guy who sued over uh, the Terminator thing that was just like he wrote a episode of the Outer Limits called Soldier which is about a guy from the future who gets trapped teleported to the past but he doesn't like have to stop a robot or anything but it's like the just that idea of a soldier from the future going back and then he saw terminator and was like they stole my idea and he sued him well, um, oh yeah harlan harlan ellison that's the guy yeah harlan ellison but to be to, well okay
2: so just for, just to add to that because i was just reading about this the other night because we watched terminator the other night which by the way my wife had never seen terminator but she watched terminator 2 with us when we watched it a little while ago what a disappointment to find out Arnold is bad. Like what a weird way to watch these movies and be <laughs> mm. like, get it. why is We're he to do it, it
1: backwards? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, both really good movies though.
2: Yeah. But totally good movies. I actually think I like two better.
1: Maybe when I watch them this I mean, I That's how think I feel they're... too. And people give,
0: I feel like the hot take or the cool guy take is to be like, no, Terminator one is the best one, but I've always liked, I like T2 better. T2 yeah, I mean, more interesting. So about T2's that-
1: a different type of movie, and yes, like T2's exactly. like a big fun adventure movie, like Terminator 1 could happen, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it feels flick. real and grounded in a way that T2 does. Well, it. I do um, have a
2: big problem with that one, which is that like his whole, like one of the reasons why Terminator loses is because he's not allowed to bring a space gun from the future, but he's allowed to bring his robot body surrounded by flesh, so all he needed to do is take a laser gun, Put it up the bum. Travel back. Yeah, no.
1: I've a lot of people have made that point before, Alex. Well, <laughs> uh, we got we got to get off to get to no, a point about Terminator. We got more we to talk
2: about. No, which is that James Cameron said in multiple interviews, I stole the idea from Terminator from a Outer Limits episode, which is why that lawsuit worked. Was yes. because Cameron said yeah, yeah. that a bunch of times on tape. But anyway, wow. I've never heard of Outer Limits. How does Outer Limits affect everything that's ever
1: happened? Well, it was just an influential one off show that a lot of young people watched and grew up to become writers. I mean, it's just yeah. you know, like interesting. You know, but like so the Outer Limits was basically like a Twilight Zone as show, right? That's e, what it looks like. So it's just yeah. it was just a Twilight Zone. Okay. Yeah, it was just, yeah. you know, an, an anthology show with different sci fi elements, you know. Um, but so yeah, so Alan Moore, you know, very famously took the idea of this episode about alien uh, people who fake an alien invasion in order to end wars on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. So that is like kind of Osmandius's wild plan. Um, and yeah, the the idea is like, you know like that's where like the Black freighter stuff kind of ties into like it kind of represents all the characters, but it mostly represents Osmandius and this idea of like trying by trying to be a hero you actually kind of become a villain eventually like if you go extreme enough if you take it to its logical conclusion that so if you actually sort of like want to save the world
2: the thing we we're talking about last week about vigilantism and how annoying it is that this is basically like he's taking that i can you know, break a few eggs to make an omelet to a very right. large logical conclusion. Yes. Which is if I kill half of New York, then we get world peace.
0: Crazy large eggs make crazy large omelets. It's like os- yes. ostrich eggs, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, just yeah. Really and big you know, egg. like
1: the stuff about like um I do love like uh when they talk a lot about sort of uh like the the meeting that Osmandi is when he first met the comedian or the second time he met the comedian and he like burns the map talking about how like you know, these little issues, which are so funny. The stuff in the background, I've never really looked at what their issues were, but it's like black unrest, uh, so like, you know, drugs, like really shitty fascist right-wing right wing problems are right. the things that they just kind of naturally have up there. And, you know, this this idea of like the smartest man in the world coming up with this in this, the sacrifice that he thinks he truly understands but you know by at the end of the book he is the guy from the black freighter right he is someone who had good intentions but was blinded by you know insanity and madness and just not seeing the picture for what it is and he ended up doing something horrible and damning his own soul by the end of it you know is that how that pirate story ends i thought he just like
2: he just killed a banker, looked at some nice horses, and then got to go back to a no, boat. No, he accidentally
1: no, kills his, his wife.
0: wife. He, kills,
1: he kills his wife. Oh. Uh, he doesn't then, realize
0: who it is. He's like so crazy that he doesn't understand where he is or who... who. Um, yeah, I don't even thinks, remember what his logic is for... Well, he
1: thinks that the Black Freighter raided his town. So he thinks that yes, all Black yeah. Freighter pirates and his wife and children are already dead. Yes, so yes. he kills his wife, and then he realizes... That the Black Freighter was never coming to his town. The Black Freighter only wanted one thing, and that was him, right? The Black Freighter isn't, like, an actual sort of threat as much as, like, you know, it's an existential demon boat. And his soul got—he had to go through all this in order to, like, become truly a member of this terrible thing. Yeah. Which is, like, what Osmandias does, you know?
2: Um, Well, I didn't get that. But I did like the part with the horses, yeah, uh. <laughs> there's, there's just a very funny part where he's like and then i yeah. killed them and then it just shows the horses and they yeah, seem they're just like kind of
1: looking like what yeah yeah and it's just like you know he 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 does when he's like all paranoid about a what he thinks is like a sentry out on the field but it's just a scarecrow right. um i mean how do you feel fi- like kind of beyond all of that stuff stuff i do want to get there's just a like kind of real base level stuff like i remember being 13 years old um and when i got to the um do it dan i'm not a republic serial villain do you seriously think i would explain my master stroke if there was remain the slightest chance of you affecting its outcome i did it 35 minutes ago mm-hmm. that to me is like i think that's one of the most powerful things i've ever come across in a story just in terms of like hitting me in the gut and the type of like, like the fact that this, you know, 30 something fucking years ago, um, you know, swerved the villain convention of the villain explaining his plan while the good guy still had time to do it. Like this, you know, is like a a sort of like deconstruction of that idea. Yeah. But the fact that that trope still exists so much and it is still something that happens so often that I think that like, I love that this swerve here still packs a punch, you know. I like, f-
2: I, I mean, I, p- this is part of you know, this is the the creative inflation problem that we've talked about before. This con- this swerve I've seen as many times as I've seen the not swerve at this point. So mm-hmm. this was probably an early version of it. But I mean, I mean this just, is it reminded the- me of so. Yeah, this is totally yeah, this is the one who it. did it. You made it, and yeah. I. But I've seen it now, so it's just like all those cool cinematic tricks from. Uh, from casablanca that i've just seen a thousand times other places now so i don't i'm not as impressed when i see it here even though i believe it's cool i just like i mean especially i talked about the incredibles last last uh, week which is clearly just this but a comedy for kids Mm -hmm. and um yeah that's all about like why are you monologuing you know like I mean, yeah, the Incredibles is instructed too many times to be surprised by it not happening.
1: I mean, the Incredibles is if you actually get down to it. It is like the same thing as Watchmen in terms of like the Charleston characters get palette swapped to the Watchmen characters. It was like Brad Bird wanted to make a Fantastic Four movie, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. So he just switched it to a family. But like they owe the Fantastic Four. Right. Yeah. Right? They have all their powers and you know it's
2: yeah, I but and i like what was we read a book for this show years ago the uh, Dan, one of the Dan Brown books after the one that was famous um, where like the end of the book is like I've been explaining this plot to you oh yeah I already did it the world like I already made it so th- three quarters of the world is infertile I already did the plan like it's mm-hmm. the same swerve I've just and I, I I'm sure I could think of more quickly if I wanted to I've just I've seen the swerve enough that this was like
1: oh yeah okay. I mean this was still the first place I ever saw it done um and yeah yeah, i believe it i believe it it and credit
2: him for being first it's just it didn't it didn't hit me in the gut because i was like oh well i kind of expected him to be the the dick Mm. but the fact that it works because a space clone worm explodes psychic energy that's harder for me to get into yeah
0: Yeah, and i mean uh, notably they completely sidestepped that in the the Zack snyder version yeah and did not have the courage to brilliantly, do brilliantly, Hunter. You squid.
2: have brought us to our segue. So, Anthony, tell me about what happens in the adaptations. How does this go well,
1: from here? That's the squid is the the crux of what's interesting about um, the adaptations. Because if you if you sort of like the story of Watchmen, is like, it's been in development since it came out in terms of a movie, right? Terry Gilliam was going to make it for a long time. Right. Talked about that last week. And like, they. Yeah, made, I made this great
2: joke about how his movies always fail. And then yeah. you guys were like, that's nice. But then I realized that's a joke that was only possible because of film school. And so I thank you guys for letting me seem so Heck with Yeah. Them.
1: Yeah. I love Heck it. Yeah. Um, but so his script, you know, didn't have anything with the squid at the end, it had a completely different final act. And then uh, you know it went through different hands, and eventually Zach Snyder made it after three hundred, which is such an interesting uh, thing because I think like he he's not the type of person who necessarily gets nuance, uh, <laughs> and not the type of person who gets subtlety, uh, mm-hmm. and I think he misinterpreted a lot of the book, but with the and also like a big part of the you know the. The problem with adapting it, like I said, is the squid. And the fact that the movie came out in, what, 2008, 2009, something like that, I think that is the biggest problem with it. It was like comic book movies weren't the mass market media thing we have now, right? I think like Watchmen today, if a movie like that came out, one, people are a lot more used to kind of weird shit uh, in comic book movies, so the squid would be in. Like that was always the thing is people always were like, well we can't have the squid because people won't buy it. Yeah, they'll buy a big blue naked guy and the psychopath <laughs> Rorschach, but they won't have the squid. So, Wait, it so was, what
2: did, what happens then instead so of the squid?
1: In the Zack Snyder's version, so it's actually a fairly interesting kind of lineage of how this idea went. So uh the credited screen one of the credited screenwriters on Zack Snyder's Watchmen is David Hayter the voice of Solid Snake uh, from the oh, video cool. games? Yeah, uh, but yeah, so he he was hired to write it, and he wrote a, a modern version of it that's basically Watchmen, but it takes place uh, during the Bush administration in the 2000s. Zack Snyder gets on; he has all this juice from uh, 300. He can basically make whatever he wants, and he decides to make a movie that is. Uh, literally like a frame by frame version of the book but completely misunderstanding it sure. and his Love idea it. for the ending actually came from Darren Aronofsky who was also attached to direct for a while and he's the one who came up with the idea of making Dr. Manhattan the explosion essentially like that so in the yeah. in the Zack Snyder adaptation Osmandia frames Dr. Manhattan for blowing up like six major cities yeah, and saying that if we don't become come together and like stop fighting he's going to kill the rest of us um and it just doesn't work because i don't think i think if dr manhattan started blowing up even american cities the world would be like uh he's american so we should <laughs> kill america it just doesn't doesn't make any sense that the world would bound together. It has to be well, and also
0: it, I think Doctor Manhattan is established as two. Um, I mean, I, one of the things that annoys Alex about this is Doctor Manhattan's godlike abilities. But if if you've established in your story that someone is a god, and then you try and use the threat of them attacking you to, like, make people react logically, it doesn't make any sense because they all know that... Dude, I mean, if you live in Dr. Manhattan's world and he wants you dead, you're dead. There is no, like... (laughs) There's no defeating him. It doesn't make any sense,
2: basically. This is one of my main complaints with so many comic book things is that people are too powerful, and then they're like, but I'm still going to punch him, See, and then I I have to watch this fight when I I know that they're too powerful.
0: I almost wish, like... it's the thing your your core problem with it. I I wish that maybe because Doctor Manhattan is a critique of these types of characters. Right. Essentially, Alan Moore saying it doesn't make any sense that this type of character would a be interested in helping out, basically, a, and b like why would we even why would he why w- we wouldn't be able to understand this person essentially like Superman we we. You wouldn't be able to relate to someone uh, like Superman. So I think on a certain level, Alan Moore also doesn't really like superhero magic, or at least he sees a, a, a core problem with it that doesn't make sense that the book is essentially yeah. uh, exploring. Well,
1: I mean, look at something like, like I, I enjoyed WandaVision, which just wrapped up. Um, and it's like, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty fun show. I think the first half is way stronger than the second half.
0: Man, I um, so agree with you right there. Yeah, it just You was, just
1: so how do you do that? You just
0: like say something before I get to say it and I agree with it 100%. Yeah. I'm like getting tired of it almost.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's man. it's just it was so but a, a big part of the reason I think I I didn't like the ending besides the fact that it goes from like an interesting stylistic experiment into an MCU movie, which is what the second half is which is really disappointing but Uh it's especially like reading Watchmen while while I was finishing the last few episodes they're like by the end of that show and the MCU in general if you think about the power that some of these characters have and the fact that they are still trying to make them like super relatable and like let them get away like what Wanda does to this entire town in WandaVision is horrifying. It's really, really fucked up. And she just gets away with it because she's one of her heroes. And they don't want you to think about that type of stuff. And it Mm -hmm. is the type of thing that that is why I think like if the Watchmen movie had been made today, because we're so used to watching something like WandaVision, which is really popular, and has these really fucked up things that the show is just not willing to address or like talk about. um, That's the type of stuff that would make the Watchmen movie pop more. Right. Yeah, I like Watchmen
0: would actually have a reason to exist in the the world of cinema right now than it did in when it when they actually adapted. Well,
2: yeah, it. Yeah, especially if the thing was you've gotten too attached to comic books and you're missing the point. Let me show you what they're actually about, then it was a little too early in the comic book movie explosion. It should be made now to be like all of these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are missing the point and are stupid. Exactly.
0: It should be a true adaptation where it's like, you know, Alan Moore wrote this book to be very much a critique of comic books where they were at that time, but right. adapt so, Watchmen to basically be the, the takedown of uh Disney's MCU. Yeah. That would be a much better film. Also, yeah, then- I would love
2: that kind of like Warner brothers V Disney shit talk. That would be fun. Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah that this, is fun. This- that would be juicy.
1: And then now that you've read the book, are you interested in the HBO? That's what I want to
2: know. We, we have to keep moving. But really quick, last thing I want to talk about here is tell me about the HBO sequel. What's going on there? Because that is respected, right? People yeah. think that's good. And so it seems like everything that comes out of this book is bad. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, well, it is a a true sequel in the sense that, I mean, not even a sequel. It's really just like kind of a a spin-off of this story it takes place in modern day mm-hmm. everything in the book is canon and it's what would the world look like in 2020 if this happened in 1986 right where
2: half the world so, died from a squid well half not the half york, the world half, of new, sorry, york. half of new york
1: no one lives in new york everyone lives in oklahoma now uh oh, and well it's a
2: little weird to, well to there's buy. a
1: reason why because there's a uh, race is a huge part of the uh, the new series and sort of like reparations and the Tulsa massacre is a huge part, narrative part of the story. So that's why it takes place in Oklahoma. So like, I definitely liked what the, the sequel series did, especially the way it's, it, um it really doesn't mess with the narrative of the book. What it does is it dives into um, the sort of, stuff that's happening in the background of the book or the stuff that happened way before the book. So, like, Hooded Justice is a very important character in the uh, in, the, in show, the show, which I thought, like, the way, especially rereading this book and after having watched the show, I got such a kick out of, like, the stuff they change in the show from the book. It's, like, it's all stuff that's coming from Hollis the original Nidal, who isn't the most like reliable narrator anyway. Mm-hmm. So like they could fudge things like that. And I think yeah. that's really clever.
2: Yeah. I um, love an unreliable narrator.
1: Yeah. And it deals with like this idea of like what the, ro- you know, the ending of Watchmen, the very, very ending with the guy, you know, what, is, what is he going to pick from the crank file and the sort of way that um, society and conspiracy theories would grow out of something like Rorschach's journal getting published. Right. You know? Um, okay. Just,
2: I mean, that's intriguing good. enough. It sounds all right. Yeah. It's I, 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 and- uh,
0: I, I want to talk about a thematic thing that it does. That's really interesting. Cause if, if Watchmen, the, the book is, I think kind of uh, making an argument that uh, superheroes have a root in kind of white nationalist or like KKK type stuff, I think, the, and this is a, this is a, it's a very political show. It was a very political book, but the show is also very political. Um, The connection that the show, in my opinion, is making is like also the cops are in that formula as well. There is also, and, and Alan Moore's book does not really talk about that at all, but thematically a lot of it is bringing in the police. Um, And in a way, in a way that like, it almost feels even better now after um, last summer, as far as like what it's talking about and how relevant that all seems. It's like weird. The, the, it came out like late 2019, right? I think that was right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the there was the, you know, all the Black Lives Matter stuff that happened last year. Now the show feels even more like it's talking about things that are um, very relevant in society and culture right now. Um, And it's, it's interesting. I liked it. There are some things that I didn't love about it. But I, um, I think overall, especially uh, the, there are some things I didn't like about the resolution of it that I won't get into, because I would have to spoil it all.
1: Um, I feel the same one. Yeah, but
0: um, it, it really surprised me by how like bold it was and how how deep it it went. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I really liked the, it.
1: That cast. I mean, between Gina King, Jane Smart, uh mm-hmm. as as uh, Silk Spectre. I love her. Laurie I love is, her so much. Man. She nailed because Laurie was the other version, other person in the Zack Snyder movie that I think was really miscast. Um, just did not have the way, especially because of so much which we didn't even talk about the sort of the Laurie and the comedian and like finding out that she's the comedian's daughter and mm-hmm. like the way I thought the the show, the way it dealt with that, where Lori's kind of head was of like embracing not just the her stuff from her mom, but actually years later, kind of coming to peace with her father was the comedian. Uh, I thought that was really good, well done uh, as well. Jeremy Irons is incredible in the show. Um, I don't right. even know if he say, knows he's in the show. I'm going to say I'm like...
2: Him. I'm 60% that I should watch this, but not more. Um, you've done a very good sales pitch, but I'm still limited in how much I want to see any of this again. Um, especially when you bring up the comedian's daughter thing, which I thought was just so bizarre in this book, but we got to wrap up. We have a couple of things I want to do really quick before we go. So wait, I
1: just want to that. Wait, what What do you mean?
2: I, it just felt like extremely clunky handling of, a of like what would, it, is actually a very sensitive issue. It was like, it was just yeah i i
0: I agree there's not enough time spent on it in the book to kind of just like i don't know i got the perspective in it but i was also like why is this like such a minor note in the story
1: it's through the whole book that's what i disagree i think that it's it's i i don't feel like it is is, i don't feel like
2: it is handled with intelligence and sensitivity like it should be for a plot about sexual assault
1: well it's not cheap it's not a sexual assault that lori's from her mom and the comedian no no i know but it was like
2: her yeah yeah yeah, that she was like she went back to the person who had assaulted her and i feel like that choice and that explanation and that story just felt like ham-fisted the whole way i did not like any of that part but Uh, i also i
0: I sort of agree with alex i i would just say that i think it is i think the idea that he was trying to get across is so complicated and and complex that if that's something you want to have in a story. That should probably be what your whole story is about. It should not be. It is not a B-plot thing. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. You said the thing that sounded like when Anthony said he didn't like the second half of that Marvel show to me just now. That's what you did. Um, You summed it up better than I was going to say it. Anyway, we do need to move on, though. And I don't I don't have the ability to talk about that topic with complex sensitivity either. And so I just felt like it felt like uh little ham ham fists but i uh, anyway you are just gonna have to take that as a non sequitur then if you disagree because we have a couple things we need to do before we wrap um and we're out of time so stick around for a couple of fun mini segments all right first for segment three i'm going to call this the argument continues we had a couple of really fun letters about our argument from last week about which superheroes from superhero comic world would actually be interesting to exist in the regular world. And uh, the first thing is kind of a longer uh, email. I want to read you some a pieces of from Justin, um, from whom I, we will hear a little bit more in a bit. Um, Justin says, hello, Alex, and to a lesser extent, Anthony and Hunter, which I know he's not going to start out making you guys like him. That was a harsh and in, uh, intro to a letter, but I feel good about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean that, you didn't have to include it so i know Thank you isn't for that funny it, yeah uh
2: i wanted to write in answering the question about what superheroes would be allowed in, should be allowed in real life um the uh superhero i would like or rec- like to recommend is me so my superpower uh is coming up with you know like three or four examples to placate an angry crowd you gave me this superpower in episode 370 of read it and weep um so i could help mayor Meatbot talk down a rather new meat buddy who had only joined for a free ebook so this is a complicated and extremely self-referential thing that yeah, i this don't this is
1: like we're talking about the dc universe i know shit like this so... is why we need to reboot the podcast entirely <laughs> clear out all canon
2: oh what set dude, it if, from we, the... if, if we reboot canon can i be a good guy this time
1: yeah, mm, I mean, maybe a twist ending, you're a good guy, yeah. but I, I would love to do a whole new origin story for the podcast, you know, like us meeting, coming together. That's not a bad
2: idea, yeah. yeah. Um, you, doesn't Don't all of the um, comic book uh, origin stories involve somebody's parents dying in front of them? Do we have to do that part?
1: Not all of them. Sometimes the parents die off screen, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. Um, uh and justin continue so yeah we used to give we used to assign uh we used to do long scripted ads when somebody became a new me buddy and we would um for a brief period of time we assigned them superpowers um and that was one was to come up with like you know three or four examples um that was Justin's superpower which i think is very fun and for those of you who are like deep in the catalog maybe this is a fun little thing for you to remember and if you're not do not bother going back no reason to um uh yeah that's we'll come back to more from just in a bit but the other, a couple <laughs> of other contributors um david who regular emailer says my candidate for superhero status is my local shopkeeper who is providing service to low-income and vulnerable people in my area um which has become even more vital recently um he takes he takes risks uh, that the big bu- boys don't do he's brave kind and fair and his name is muhammad so thank you muhammad for doing that however that's just a regular hero that's a hero but just a regular hero, not a superhero, right? Isn't that a difference? Aren't there? Don't you have oh, to do yeah. magic they're, they're... and not just be
0: like a great dude? Hey, not all heroes wear capes, okay? I think
2: literally no heroes wear capes. I feel like there's no... First of all, no one wears capes. And second of all,
0: you're uh, thinking hey, of superheroes. Hey, no. Don't don't say that. Don't speak for me, okay? You don't know what I'm doing at night in the you woods. You could be
2: wearing a cape. You also seem like you might have a cowl, even if you're not wearing it. Um, oh, yeah, buddy. But, I just want to give so I definitely shout out to Muhammad, who sounds like an amazing person, normal hero, not superhero, but good contribution. And then to. It sounds like
1: an amazing person, but let's take him down a peg real fast. No, (laughs) no, not a peg. You are the top
2: peg of pegs. You're just not not on a magic peg. peg, You're not on a made up peg. The only person who gave us a real suggestion that I think is worth using here, as much as I appreciate that, David, and I'm reading them just like I read that shitty intro to you guys because I think it's important um but um i read those two because everyone but here's the actual superhero from comic book world that should exist this is from at discordian stooge who says i think squirrel girl would be the perfect superhero to exist her power is to talk to squirrels which as far as i know does not have a tendency to corrupt absolutely (laughs) i I yeah
0: no i think that's fair that'll be okay
2: i am not familiar with squirrel girl i did a little reading a little bit of looking she is um in the comic book way, uh, not the most practical dresser. Yeah. I mean,
1: people love, I've also never read any, um, cause I don't, you know, don't read a lot of comics, but I know Squirrel Girl is almost more as a meme at this point because she's so beloved and people talk about how she's always like the best superhero. She Um. seems
2: rad. I will say though, that if someone could talk to all squirrels, there's no way that's not a corrupting power. They know everything. They're everywhere. They spy on every conversation. There's no privacy if someone knows what the squirrels are thinking. That's my concern. Mm-hmm. I think they're, that that is actually like, you think, oh, what a cute power. It's too powerful. Mm. That's my one risk. But um, I am intrigued by this new Marvel superhero that everybody loves.
1: Yeah. I mean, I personally think my answer of Blade is still the best because this is these vampires man we gotta gotta do something about these vampires
2: uh weird that you just think your answer is still good um you're like i'm gonna give it to me well good (laughs) for you um lastly or penultimately i guess almost lastly i want to continue on from justin so justin has been a meat buddy for many many years and recently switched over to the patreon and we don't always do a we, we almost never do a whole new thank you segment for um I'm just just switching over payment systems, but uh, we, yeah, I had a nice long chat, nice chat with Justin, and decided to offer one anyway. And so uh, Justin sent us a two truths and a lie, which we haven't done in a little while. So we are going to play as a thank you, Justin, for being a meat buddy for so long. Two truths. And a lie. And this is the one where I do not actually Justin was so thorough about hiding the answer from me that I have it, I can look it up, but I have not seen it yet. It's like the first time Two mm. Truths and a Lie has not been spoiled for me. So here is Justin's Two Truths and a Lie for all of us to enjoy. Number one, I was kicked in the head by a steer. Uh the kick detached a large section of my scalp, and I have a hoof-shaped scar under my hair from the reattachment. Number two, I fell off an industrial lawnmower and it ran over my hand, mostly severing three of my fingers. They were only able to save two. Or number three, so already you know, one of these two terrible farm-related accidents is real. <laughs> number three, my friends and I w- uh, once ran for cover as two stealth helicopters lit up the sky overhead with missiles and tracer rounds. They were attacking another fleet of helicopters as they sat on the ground inside a government compound. Also, one of those friends went on to win the Great British Bake Off. That is elaborate. That last one has too many parts. <laughs> so what do you think of those
1: three? One of those is a lie, but not all of them. Um, well, mm. Helicopters aren't real So I'm going to go with the helicopter one
2: <laughs> Well that's why they're stealth helicopters Anthony They've oh, been hiding man. from you mm. Maybe so isn't real? Kicked by a steer uh, Lost a finger to a lawnmower And uh, um, Once saw a helicopter fight with a friend Who went on to win Great British Bake Off That last part really narrows it down To like nine people it could be
1: mm.
2: Which yeah, is kind which of fun Yeah you didn't I mean I, that's I, part I, of the fun. Could you could you imagine any of the winners? I, it probably wasn't that little the child who won last year. Um because he's oh like yeah. he's like 14 or something. Um, yeah, that kid. Are you I didn't know you were a big Bake Off fan. No,
0: I just watched that one season. Oh, really? That's the only one I've
2: seen. Man, that's like the worst season they've ever made. They were like, "Oh, really? We're out of ideas, so we're going to do the dumbest challenges." One of our one of our comedian hosts is going to be creepy and never funny, and then uh, they can't. Oh,
0: what you thought? Matt Lucas is just not. Is is he the vampire one?
2: I I loved the bald host so much. He was so lovely, and the other one was always just like, "I want to touch you. I want to kiss you in places." Like everything he said was creepy.
0: That Okay, he did not say anything like that. He said that, no, that's that, everything that, like that. That's he made you kiss his over at. and over and over again.
1: Ugh, Al- Alex, so you really project wait, wait. on the British people a lot. Wait, so you're you
0: talking, know? you're talking, I just want to, have uh, sorry. You're talking about Noel Fielding? That's who you're talking about? The guy um, with the, he has black hair and. The goth he, guy? He, yeah, the goth guy. Yeah, dressed as crazy. Mm-hmm.
2: So you just, you find him creepy? He said so many creepy things in that last season. Every fun time something was, ha- it was like, oh, this is a fun thing. And then he would be like, oh, yeah, this is really sexy. It was gross. He said um, so many gross things. So wow. you, I guess,
0: uh, I don't know. I, yeah. Matt Lucas well, ruled. Uh, you, Matt Lucas hey.
2: was like my one of my favorite. I mean, I'm still mad about Mel and Sue being gone. So I'm watching any part of the show under a protest. But, um, especially, but I thought Matt Lucas was a great replacement. But Noel Fielding, I did not care about that. So for. I, I did, think did not the, understand lie- the show.
1: The lie is Alex not liking Noah Fielding. Is that, is that what we're playing? Are we talking about Alex? Are we talking about the me?
2: You know what I want to say of these, though? I want to say that it's weird to say this, but I feel like losing a couple fingers in a lawnmower accident is the most boring of these three, which is crazy. But that makes that the lie in my head.
0: Oh, I'm looking up now because there were like complaints in Britain. And I remember the line that people are saying was creepy. I just thought it was funny, but yeah, it was. It was Mr. Spoon said oh, yeah. that he wanted to see uh, one of the boys naked. Yes, that's what he said. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's. And he was constantly saying like
2: a little bit creepy things to this child, and like the point of the show is not creepy. Like I, this show is all about wholesomeness. yeah, it's for families. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah, and Mr. Spoon was such a ugh, oh, gross. Ugh. Yeah, he did say want to see Peter naked. Peter is like 15, is a little uh, perfect I baking got, angel. I
1: got places to be. To okay, let's anyway. stop talking about <laughs> <prayers>. <laughs> one,
2: Tell go. me the lie then. Tell me which one's a lie.
1: Uh, I I said helicopters aren't real. Oh, so. i yeah, yeah, the
0: helicopter one too. That seems good.
2: Okay, you're both gonna go with helicopters. I am gonna go with the lawnmower. If the lie was kicked in the head by a steer, then Justin will have won a perfect sweep. All nice. Right, so let me see how do I here we go. Attached PDF answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I didn't notice. Okay. Yeah. Um let's go in reverse order. Helicopter story. Absolutely true. Um it was when I was fifteen before saw my camera so I don't have a picture, but by way of explanation, my parents were missionaries on the Ivory Coast. Oh, that's where helicopters live. Um we live. Yeah, they fly in there
1: a- during the summer to you know <laughs> stay they hi- Hibernate up
2: there. Uh yeah, there was the uh they were in a government camp and the president's forces uh had fighter jets and helicopters and they were bombing rebels. Anyway, very, very much stuff. Um I witnessed the bomb blowing up of helicopters, which were parked about a mile from where I lived. Um and uh, I left the Ivor Coast with David Atherton, who went on to win the Great British Bake Off in twenty nineteen. David Atherton is oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um so that one's true. Okay number two lawnmower this happened i have pictures but you don't want to see it which means the lie was the steer this can't happen though and is why you should never walk behind a horse or a cow so truth and lie justin completely won you fooled all three of us for which you receive just like for becoming a meat buddy absolutely nothing but we do appreciate it and i should
1: have i should have known it was the steer because for some reason in my head I know it happens. I can really easily imagine a horse like kicking someone in the head. Steers, I don't. I've never seen like a cow like move, like kick like that. I guess they must, though, right? I I don't know. I've never been near a steer. I don't know. Yeah, I have no. Well,
2: Well, thank you, you Justin. Thanks everybody who supports the show uh, and has kept us um, just just dragging along the tracks. That is it for our show. Okay, so what's happening next week? Next week, we are watching the unbelievably long, just immorally long, uh, Justice League Snyder Cut, and I am so mad about it. Um, I feel like it's like like Snyder Cutting. It's like self-harm to
0: watch this movie. I... I'm so mad at you, Anthony. What are, I'm mad about how much you... Alex stuff we're going to have to watch in order to balance out. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's like... I only
2: get one treat and I've already said it and you kind of liked the idea,
0: so... Oh, no, I do like it. I'm just saying, like, you should probably get more than one treat, to be honest. Like, oh, I mean, we're, we're having I, three I, weeks I, of stuff you categorically you dislike. That there's yeah. basically no way... And I mean, there's no way I'm going to like the Zack Snyder cut, but there's no, there's definitely no way... I'll quit the show if you end up Coming in in a week, being like, I liked it. I'll be so <laughs> mad. It will be so annoying to me. You, I, man, You, there is nothing that I do like
2: that uh, is four hours long. So, you, ha- this is just the odds are so I know, far against it. That's what I'm saying. Us. It's like
0: the odds are stacked against this so high that if you like it, I'm going to be convinced that you're like a performance artist or like mm-hmm. a professional troll that gets paid to just have opinions well, to annoy well, people.
2: So, okay, so uh, the only thing that I will say to slightly mitigate this is that my expectations of this are so low. Right, it could not that be That if low. there's like a literally, like a neutral moment of the movie i'll be like oh this is the best thing i've ever seen so there is a chance that i will just there'll be some relief that it will like kind of
0: pummel you with like four hours you'll get like stockholm syndrome and you'll basically yes. be like oh you know what i ended up loving it, it there could be love some it.
2: stockholm syndrome. it's there's so many things against this for me i just can't even list all of them uh but uh i hate bat flick so that's also a problem um i just cannot handle ben affleck on screen like this there's just no way um Anyway, also, I am going to watch this in two sittings because I ain't got that kind of time. So, um, hopefully, that doesn't change things too much for how my my opinion of it. Anthony, are you well, excited about it?
1: Uh, I mean, not really, but I, I it's more of a cultural uh, oddity that I feel yeah. like we just have to talk about and sure. like the narrative behind how it got made and what's happening with it and the fan campaign and all the money they've raised for suicide prevention, and it's like, yeah. a lot of good stuff has come out of this. And, yeah,
2: I'm, um, I'm good with that donation. You just, you could have done that without it being about this shitty movie. <laughs> just like, you could also hey. have donated to gorillas without being part hey. of Wall Street Bets. There's just Josh, plenty of options to donate.
1: But also, like, I'm kind of glad that Josh Whedon is getting dragged through the mud over all this. It's just, what, a, yeah, what a weird switch for is. our
2: lives that it's like, Snyder is the hero and Josh Whedon is the problem now. Yeah. That's Uh,
1: It's it's gonna be very interesting, one way or another. Also,
2: although I was mad when I read when I figured out that Joss Whedon is the one doing all the Avengers movies, and then he was also doing the Justice League movie, it's like you can't you can't just have one person do competing things. It's what you ruin the world that way. It's boring. Um anyway, uh, although I guess they did it with Star Trek and Star Wars guy too, right? Um just Yeah,
0: they did do that. Let us
2: have a side. Let, make it They souls. don't
0: wanna overthink it, this Alex. They're <laughs> just trying to keep it simple. <laughs> it's like, and, oh, they did this, they can do it
1: again, okay? And they they let someone else do it, but then he had a personal tragedy and the Head of the studio was too busy and getting caught up in a sex scandal to do anything about it, so he had uh, to, yeah. You know.
2: we're doing this, um, anyway. We, gotta, that's, we have uh, to talk
1: about Charlotte Cook, uh, we, next week. I don't week. know what
2: that is, but please feel free to remind me next week. All right, thank Join us again for that next week. Tell us your Justice League thoughts, podcast at Read Weep.com, and you can become a meat buddy and get absolutely nothing. By going to metreon.com and we really appreciate everyone who's made that strange decision. Thanks for being here, Anthony Lopez.
1: This is a lot of fun. See you next week.
2: Hunter, thanks for hanging out.
0: Hey, thank you. Hey, and thanks everybody. Mwah.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. All right, we'll talk to everybody next week. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.